With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Welcome, everyone, to another edition of the Pensburg Podcast. I am your host, Garrett Bahanna, joined alongside, as always, with Hulk Sorpik himself, Jim Rixner. Jim, how are you doing? Doing great. Episode 26 of the Pensburg Pod. I, me- I meant to do this last time, but I figured for each episode, we'll do a favorite number of the Penguin that were that. So 26, there's not a lot to choose from, but I'm going so apps here. I just sprung that on you, so I don't know if you have one. There's not really even that many good ones. So unless you're going Kent Manderville, I guess you're going Silaps too this week. Hold on. Let me look something. If I remember correctly, I think there is. Steve Sullivan was 26 back a few years ago. I think Tan Grady was 26. Those are pretty much the recent guys. Was Mark Arcabello number 26? Yeah, I think he was too. I looked it up earlier. You go yeah. to Arcabella for like the 10 seconds he was in the league. Yeah, I played why. on more teams for like two or three games than anyone else. I don't know why my mind immediately went to Mark yeah, Arcabella. Yeah, it's true though. He, he was on there. Uh, yeah, I'll go I'll go Mark Arcabella for from All right, for episode 26. Yep, yep. All right. Uh number 27 is well two we'll go two weeks from now. I don't think we'll have a show next week due to the Thanksgiving holiday, but number 27 episode 27 two weeks from now. Are you already bookmarking Craig Adams as your go-to? <laughs> no, I was really going to get George LaRock there. Oh, okay, okay, okay. No, it's Make- like going back. for There's only one real 27, but we'll get to that next week. All righty. That's the uh, hook to tune in. <laughs> yes, yes, absolutely. Now, if, if you didn't if you didn't have an incentive to download new episodes of the podcast, now you do. Now you can find out our favorite players. Yeah. All right. This is really, so, here this we go. Is really fun. I like that you sprung this on me out of nowhere. Now I'm I like, did. I, I know. I I've been meaning to do this the past couple of times, but I keep forgetting. And this time, I just made it a point that it popped up. I was going with it. Well, now this is really interesting. I'm going to have to do some Jersey research over research. the next. Yeah, add it to our endless prep. <laughs> All right, well, well, we'll dive into it. Uh, I guess we'll get straight into it, what the Penguins have done over the last week since our last episode. And they have played uh, three games uh, against Eastern Conference teams, two against divisional opponents, against the New Jersey Devils and Toronto Maple Leafs. That was a back-to-back set last weekend, and most recently against the New York Islanders. And uh, we'll spend a little bit of time on the on the earlier games, the Devils and Leafs, since it happened quite a while ago. And we'll spend a little bit more time talking about the most recent game against the Islanders. Uh, the Penguins uh, played the Devils on uh, November 15th in a losing effort 2-1. to one. Uh, Jim, there, there wasn't much that I remember from this game that stood out. I think it, the, the New Jersey goaltender, what's his name, Mackenzie Blackwood, I think just sort of stole the spotlight there and the Penguins seemingly were just unlucky. I don't think they played a necessarily a, a terrible game. 
as the two to one score indicates. I think Mackenzie Blackwood, I think the Penguin just ran into what looked like a hot goaltender. If there's anything that stands out to you in that game against the Devils. Well, yeah, of course. Jack Johnson scores one goal a year and he scored a goal in this game. So I guess he's used his goal up for the whole season in the losing effort. But yeah, you're right. Shots for that game were 39 for Pittsburgh and only 21 for Jersey. And just a typical boring game where Jersey gets off to the lead and then they make it count. They had it stand up. And it seems like, you know, even in their down years, it just feels like the Pens never have any good luck against the Devils and the Devils always find a way to beat them. So yeah, that's a good one. At least it's over, and I don't put too much more stock into that. And one of the games that we're going to put quite a bit of stock in is the following The following night, uh, they played uh, the Toronto Maple Leafs, concluding the back-to-back set. And Jim, I have to be honest with you, when I looked at this back-to-back set, I thought they would cruise past the Devils and struggle against the Maple Leafs, but boy, was I wrong as... They put six past the Toronto Maple Leafs. Granted, they were starting, I don't even remember how to pronounce the the goaltender that the Leafs were starting. I believe it was his first NHL start, and the Penguins, uh, they, they really embarrassed the, I believe he was a Finnish goaltender. I, like I, you, might ha- you might have his name in front of you, but moral of the story is the Penguins just decimated the, the Maple Leafs, something that I wasn't expecting. I, I guess the news recently broke right before we started recording, Jim, that the Maple Leafs have since parted ways with head coach uh, Mike Babcock, and uh, maybe maybe the, the the loss against the Penguins, some might look at that as being maybe the last straw. The Leafs have been in a little bit of a slump, and the Penguins took advantage of the the the, the baby goaltender. And uh, look, they're not going to look back, and they're not going to apologize for scoring six past the Maple Leafs, especially where they are on the injury front. Uh, did anything catch your eye against the, in the game against the Maple Leafs? Like you said, it was just the offensive breakout that I think we've been waiting for for a long time. It finally happened in that game. If you look before that, the Pens were scoring two goals a game. They had three because of a shootout against Chicago, and then two against New York Rangers, one against Devils, and then they bust out for those six goals. And yeah, it wasn't the best goaltending from a a new performer. And right now, yeah, I think we both have... um, Mike Babcock on the on the mind since he literally just got fired minutes before we started taping this and I read on Twitter now that Toronto of course was expected to be one of the top teams in the east and contend but I think mathematically now they're nine wins 10 losses four overtime losses for 22 points in 23 games and I saw that they're more likely to miss the playoffs and make the playoffs because Florida has gotten off to a good start Montreal is playing well Tampa's actually struggling too in that division and Boston's doing great as expected. So, you know, it's going to be tough sledding for Toronto here forward, even if they play as they're expected to just to make the playoffs, it's going to be a hard um, hole for them to climb out of. And I also saw of note that we're recording this on November 20th, November 20th, the day Mike Babcock was fired a year ago to the day last year on November 20th, 2018, the St. Louis Blues fired their coach, and we all know how that story ended up. So I guess maybe for Toronto, they're hoping for a little November 20th change your coach magic. Well, whatever the Maple Leafs hope to do, uh, you know, it really couldn't happen to a nicer fan base to, to watch them struggle. Yeah, our and, hearts break. I, you know, I really... I think we should give Maple Leafs fans and the the, the Maple if there are any, if there are any Maple Leafs fans that listen to this podcast. Number one, 
I don't know what you do. I mean, maybe you want to get a different perspective. I, I don't know. I don't think you... they're smart enough to, to do it. But if you do, reach out and we will give you props. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I, I can go and see after the podcast goes up where where we get our listeners from. If there's any in the Toronto area that happen to be Maple Leafs fans, hey. Um, yeah, that, that's how the cookie crumbles. Um, so they, they they destroy the island or they, they, they destroy the Maple Leafs six to one and then they get to their most recent game against the New York Islanders. And Jim, this was incredibly frustrating to watch. The Islanders have been on an incredible roll as of late. And the, the, the talking point was that they had recorded points in 15 straight games. And really the only blemish on their record came uh, because of an overtime loss to the Pittsburgh Penguins on November 7th, I believe it was. And the Penguins in the game, the most recent game against the Islanders, it was disappointing because going into the third period, they had a two-goal lead. They were up four to two, and the Islanders grab hold of the momentum in the third period, and they tie the game, force it into overtime, where the Islanders win by a score of five to four. I, I think on the surface, on the surface, it's disappointing because you have the game right there, the extra point goes right down the drain. And considering where the Penguins are in terms of the injuries that they've already suffered, you know, you can't be giving those points away, especially to a divisional opponent. You're expected to lock the game down and play some rather consistent shutdown defense when you're when you're nursing a two-goal lead, uh, no, no mind you, uh, in the third period. So it really just seemed like a, a massive collapse right at the end of the game for the Islanders to grab it and take the two points and continue on their streak of points in consecutive games. And the Penguins will get to do it all again today, as a matter of fact, when this podcast goes out. They will play the Islanders in a home-and-home home set and uh, see if anything comes from last the last game, uh, the, the overtime loss. Uh, but, Jim, looking at this game against the Islanders, you know, I kind of touched on it a little bit, how the Penguins lost their magic in the third period. I don't know if I stole any of your thunder, if you wanted to add anything else or put a, a, a nice bow on this deflating loss, I guess you could call it, to the Islanders. Just to reiterate what you said, is it was not only a two-goal lead. It was a two-goal lead at first to be 2 nothing, and to give that up is one thing, but to be up 4-2 to two with five minutes left in the game, that's really tough to, to come out not getting the points. So, yeah, I, I don't think that can be emphasized enough, and it just goes to show the Islanders are, are really good at just they keep working. They keep chipping away. They're one team that the cliche is true. It doesn't matter what the score is or how much time is left. They're just going to keep grinding away until that last whistle and the last horn goes off. So, I mean, obviously the Pens know this, that that they're just a team that, you know, perhaps more than all the others are just going to keep on working and just be very annoying till the end. So that kind of makes it disappointing that the Pens take a, a late penalty that they could have probably avoided in the offensive zone by Brian Rust. And, you know, it just it's one of those things that somehow, some way, it seems like the Islanders always just find that way to get the Pens number there late. So maybe it will be a good thing to play them tonight again. And then after this, the Pens don't see the Islanders until all the way in March. So that, that'll probably be nice, too, that we won't have to worry about them and their annoyingness for a couple more months after this week. Jim, stop me if you've heard this before, but... Uh... The, the, uh, there's another Penguins player that just so happens to be Stop. Injured. Stop. Please stop. I, I mean, <laughs> I'm sorry. I, I'm just doing my, my journalistic duty of reporting no. the news. That that injured player happens to be another forward, and it's Nick Bukestad, who is injured for the second time this season. 
he was injured in the two to one loss against the New Jersey Devils. What Mike Sullivan described as a quote longer term injury because of an undisclosed ailment. Uh, obviously, hockey coaches are are notorious for keeping these ailments, these injuries under wraps. I don't know if any other news besides this undisclosed ailment term has come out since we've started recording, Jim, but uh, it's just another blow to the Penguins' forward depth. And individually speaking, it's another blow to Nick Bukestad, who has played in 10, who only played in 10 games this season, and he missed nine games throughout October with another undisclosed injury. You know, I, I'm not one to speculate, but with this being an undisclosed ailment, maybe he re-aggravated whatever was ailing him in the first place. That is just pure speculation on my part. But it's another injury in the long line of injured Penguins players and injured Penguins forwards, injured Penguins centermen. Um, Jim, I, I guess the drum keeps beating. The, we, we keep moving on. We have to move on. Next man up mentality. Because Nick Bukestad has missed quite a, a chunk of time early in the season, what kind of uh, what does his absence do to the Penguins forward group moving forward? It doesn't seem like he was really able to get some consistent footing. I think he only has one goal in the ten games that he has played. So is this is this a presence? Is Nick Bukestad's presence going to be really sorely missed along the lines of Crosby? Or do, do you think that either a Sam Lafferty or a Joseph Landisi, someone can fill that void for the time being until until Nick Bukestad uh, regains full health? Like you touched on there, not only is a a blow to their forwards, but he's Bukestad has some experience and he's one of he's a player who's been in the league for a few years. He knows how to play the game at a high level, and to the center position too, it's it's a big blow. You mentioned Crosby there at the end, and yeah, that's where I think you'll really notice it because without Sidney Crosby, that's that's enough missing down the middle. And you always like to hear the saying that good teams are really formed down the middle with their centers, their defense, their goalie. That's that's the key spots. And with Crosby out, that's bad enough. And then to lose Bukestad, who's also your number three center, that hurts too. Um, it does. It is true that Bukestad hasn't really been contributing that much. So in that sense, it's not a huge loss. But I wouldn't expect him to be down and out forever if he was playing. So that, that's where it's kind of bad in, in that he probably would have started to get going sooner or later. And they were using him on the first power play too in front of the net. So that's something that they'll have to change up. But in, in that vein, it looks like Patrick Hornquist will be back very soon, if not tonight, tonight's game against the Islanders. So that's at least someone where they'll get back that can go to the front of the net and be that, that net front presence and that they need and that they don't have. But for Bukestad, um, they're going to miss him. Uh, he has size. He's a right-hand shot. They don't have too many of those up front. So that's another aspect that's different. And yeah, it's disappointing. I'm sure, you know, it's not his fault or anything that he's been hurt, but that's a guy that they invested a lot in and that they were hoping was going to have a really good season. And it certainly looks like at least for the first half of the season, that it's pretty much wasted in a lost cause. Yeah. It'll be interesting to see, like you said, with the, the possible, return of Patrick Cornquist as early as tonight. It will, he will definitely be a welcomed addition, uh, not only just as a forward who could produce positively positive offense, tangible offense, but like you said, I think Hornquist, uh, Hornquist addition, he might be able to replace a guy like Bukestad. You know, Hornquist makes his money in front of the net, you know, disrupting goaltenders. So one guy comes out, one guy goes back in, and, you know, it seems like just a revolving door of injuries that the Penguins are just going to have to continue to move on 
and you know just wait it out and hope everyone does get healthy. Uh, Jim, flip, flipping gears now, flipping to the back end, there's a player that I want to talk about who has been getting quite a bit of criticism recently, and I'm not sure what to make of it. This player that, that I'm referring to is Justin Schultz, and Jim, I'm gonna be I'm gonna be up front, I'm gonna be upfront with you. I don't know if Justin Schultz, I don't know if it's the fact that Schultz is, he he's being more uh, magnified because he's a right-handed defenseman in the absence of Chris Letang. And, you know, more people are looking to rely on him because of his offensive instincts. It, it seems to me that, you know, when I go on Twitter, and I know I probably shouldn't be reading too much from, you know, Twitter general managers, but the general consensus seems to be recently that that Justin Schultz is struggling. And we'll get into this a little bit later because I know we have a, a mailbag question uh, in regard to the Justin Schultz and John Marino dynamic that we'll bring up a little bit later. But Justin Schultz is an intriguing case because – He's a free agent at the end of this year. He's probably looking to get one more big payday in his career. And quite honestly, if I'm being frank with you, looking at it right now, I don't think he's going to get that payday in Pittsburgh. I think they have other more important assets to lock up other than Justin Schultz. But looking at Justin Schultz, let's say over the last five to ten games, whenever they lost Latang and people had to, you know, more players had to step up in his absence. I bring Justin Schultz's name up because his performance was really magnified in the last game against the Islanders. And specifically, you know, he had a couple of really bad shifts in the overtime period. You know, one where the the puck almost bounced off his stick and into the net that would have won the game for the Islanders on the first go around. He saves the puck. And then right at the end of the game, which led to the Islanders game winning goal, he gets a pass up the board to, I believe it was Jake Gensel, but the pass, it was, you know, it gets picked off. The Islanders are still in the Penguin zone, and they convert, score the goal, game's over. And I know I was just nitpicking two scenarios there, but Justin Schultz seems to be, I don't know, I guess you could say not producing to the level we're accustomed to. And I think maybe that's because he's not in, maybe he's not in a role that he's comfortable with. Jim, is there anything in Justin Schultz's game that, you know, you're seeing over the last five to ten games, really since the defense had to get restructured because of the Latang injury, is there anything that you, when you look at Justin Schultz, you think, boy, this is it's getting tougher and tougher to defend him, and it's getting tougher and tougher to look at a plan where the Penguins might re-sign him at season's end. One thing that jumps out for sure, he has one goal and no assists in the last six games, and for a guy whose game is based around moving the puck and setting stuff up, to he only has one assist really since. October 16th if you go back so if you go back a month he's played 14 games and he has one assist in those 14 games and that's disappointing you know some of that as a defenseman can be circumstance too because you need the forwards to score when you're advancing the puck but uh, just in general Justin Schultz uh, I looked into this last week he's always been a guy who has the Penguins give up a lot of scoring chances while he's on the ice as far as like the rate the rates go he's never been one to be actually all that good at defense it's just been especially that one year where he had a breakout year in 2016 2017 his offense kind of masked 
the fact that, you know, whatever his defensive deficiencies were, he could more than overcome that offensively. And now you just look at the stats I referenced, one assist in the past 14 games, one goal, no assist in the last six. When his offense isn't there, I think that kind of turns the heat up on him because then, you know, like the plays you mentioned where he either turns the puck over or sometimes isn't in the greatest position defensively, that stuff catches up when there's no offense there to offset it. So that's been a big struggle for Schultz. Um, him and Pedersen have been pretty consistent as a pairing together. So that's one excuse he really doesn't have this year. He's had one partner who's a pretty skilled partner, and he hasn't had an, the major injury that he did last year. I know a lot of people have just ridden off his whole year last year since he got hurt in the middle of it, which is fine. I can understand that as well. But I think you're right. The point you were getting to, is this a player the Penguins want to commit to? I would have said as early as you know this past offseason that, yeah, a right-handed defenseman who can skate and who can move the puck, that's a guy you want to keep. That's a guy that is very important because those guys don't come around too often. But, you know, the Penguins found one pretty much out of thin air in another topic you were saying you were going to bring up here. So what do you think that the John Marino factor means for Justin Schultz? Does that just inherently lessen the need for him? Or do you think the Penguins probably need to see more from Schultz to make a decision? Or what's your mindset right now as far as Schultz's future in Pittsburgh? It's really interesting because John Marino's emergence in Pittsburgh really came out of nowhere. I wasn't expecting it, Jim. I don't know if you were expecting it either. This guy that they trade from Edmonton, uh, you know, they figured he was going to be organizational depth and he kind of just exploded in the preseason. And the more and more I, I, I get the gist from John Marino and, you know, he's recently he's been playing on that top pair with Brian Dumoulin because of the Latang injury. They like, obviously he can skate and he has a right-handed shot, two assets that general managers in today's NHL like very much. But before that he was playing with Jack Johnson and, uh, you know, he was doing his best, I guess you could say, when dealing with when, – when having to be paired with Jack Johnson and some of the handicaps that come with what we already know the kind of player Jack Johnson is. But getting back to the original point, they're going to – they're obviously going to have Latang When he comes back, he'll be with Dumoulin. We're not going to worry about that. And I'm talking about next next year. I'm, I, you know, next year Latang will be fully healthy. And when we get into the offseason and, and look at um, Justin Schultz's future, they're going to have Latang and Dumoulin – presumably again on that top pair. The way John Marino has played thus far t indicates to me at least, and the coaching staff must feel at least somewhat the same, is that I, I don't know if he'll ever go back down to Wilkes-Barre. I don't know if he's going to go. I think he may have permanently carved out a place in an NHL lineup for the Penguins. Has that made Justin Schultz expendable? I think it, I think it has because let me see if I can find his um, Justin Schultz's contract on – cap friendly this year he is making what 5.5 million yep 5.5 million and this is yeah. his last year and then exactly unrestricted exactly he's an unrestricted free agent making 5.5 and what is what marino's on an entry-level contract making what nine hundred twenty-five thousand. so the difference there on that cap space you're saving by still holding on to Latang and either having marino round out the top four or even the top six next year if you're not comfortable moving him up the cap space you're saving, what is that? Four point five million four 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 point five million you're saving by not re-signing Justin Schultz. As much as I hate to say it, considering Justin Schultz has been uh, you know, been with this team for the better part of what four, almost five years now, 
I just don't know if there's a feasible way that with what the Penguins have to do in the offseason, and we'll get to this too because this is another mailbag segment we'll go a little bit more in depth in in just a couple of moments but if if Justin Schultz is going to want a larger payday I don't think he's going to get it in Pittsburgh I think they're going to have to let him hit the open market and put faith in John Marino that he will continue to develop I think he's only what 22 years old he still has an entire career ahead of him a right-handed shot with at this age uh, who can skate pretty smoothly what's not to like and if you're looking if you're if you're hamstrung by the salary cap, you look at a guy like Justin Schultz and you say, thanks for your service. Thanks for what you've done for this team over the last couple of years. But I think, you know, it's best if we both go our separate ways. I don't, I just don't, I just don't see a a realistic scenario. Granted, you know, uh, Jim Rutherford has been able to maneuver the salary cap in various ways in his tenure in Pittsburgh, but I just don't see it, Jim. Was there anything I don't that see you it either. Yeah. And uh, you look at the market for defensemen always seems so crazy. Jacob Truba wasn't even unrestricted free agent. And he got $8 million this summer from the Rangers. A couple years ago, Kevin Shattenkirk, who actually is a very similar defenseman to Justin Schultz as far as right-handed, a good skater, good offensively, not that great defensively. Shattenkirk got $6.6 million for four years, and supposedly that wasn't even his best offer. He took less to go home for him to New York Rangers who ended up buying him out shortly after. So yeah, um, those guys are in such demand that I imagine the salary that Schultz will command just on reputation as a two-time Stanley Cup winner, all the goals and points he scored in Pittsburgh kind of saying that, yeah, he can be a pretty good second pair guy for you that, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I think he kind of prices himself out for the pens anyways. And yeah, if you got John Marino and who's showing that that's kind of a silver lining of this Chris Letang injury is that we've seen John Marino play in the top four with Brian Dumoulin and it's it's been no problems at all as far as I can tell that that pair looks great so as far as I'm concerned yeah at this point it's I think it's more about what John Marino is doing and is bringing to the table and you might as well just roll with him since he's younger cheaper and you probably can't afford Schultz anyways as much like I said, as much as you hate to say it, as much as you hate to see a, a longtime contributor to this team, especially one that brought championships to this town, uh, you know, I think it's just best at that point come next offseason to everyone just go their separate ways, have an amicable split, and we'll see what Justin Schultz will very likely do with a brand new team uh, next season. Flipping the switch, we have we have what may be the biggest mailbag in the history of the Pennsburg podcast. And I, I say that half jokingly, but we have six questions today, Jim. So, and uh, I think we're running a little short on time. So let's get right into it, Jim. Uh, rapid fire. You, let's go rapid fire. Uh, if for those who are interested and who haven't done it yet, you can submit questions to us uh, via our Pennsburg podcast, Twitter account. Uh, I'll send a tweet out through the podcast Twitter account every week asking for mailbag questions. Uh, No topic is off limits. We love getting all of the varied interactions from all of our listeners who are interested in finding out, uh, finding out what, you know, what's, what's racking their brain. And I think the last question that we have saved for the podcast is, is one of those questions where I think no topic is off limits, but Jim, you'll get first crack at answering this first question from Cole Del Vecchio. And he asks, what show is Sidney Crosby binge watching while he's rehabbing from his injury? Easy NHL tonight, because you know Sid's going to be watching all his hockey and keeping up with the league. But um, 
I know next week on Netflix, The Irishman is coming out, the Robert De Niro, Martin Scorsese, Al Pacino movie that's apparently like three and a half hours long or something. So that should keep him plenty busy, too. I, I bet that everyone will be watching that. All right. Our next question comes to us from our guy, Sammy Bagel Jr., who says, you can change or add a rule into the NHL. What are you adding? No spitting into in the face per Ducks versus Caps, even though it's probably already in there. No fighting, ban anyone named Tom Wilson, etc. Uh, well, okay, I'm not, I'm not incredibly well versed in the NHL rulebook. If I would have to get rid of one rule, as dangerous as this sounds, what what if we went back? What if we eliminated hybrid icing and and just you know? Dude, went... I was thinking the same thing. <laughs> yeah, I mean seriously. I mean, it's like I said, it's incredibly dangerous and probably a hazard to the players, but. Eliminating hybrid icing and, you know, just banking on your speed, hoping to get back there and, you know, praying to God that you don't get smashed into the third row. I, I think that's I think that's entertaining. Uh, it's just I, I guess it's it's like fighting. It's It would be a little bit of a guilty pleasure watching someone get sandwiched into the board. <laughs> but right. It's not very forward looking, but I agree. It's It just seems so anticlimactic when the refs blowing the whistles, the guys aren't even to the circles like. I, you know, I'm kind of old school like that. I'd rather see the foot race and it's not like people were getting hurt every single game or anything. So yeah, that, that would be mine too. That, or that's just what first came to mind, but yeah. I don't expect that to actually happen. All right. Number three, Tony Nikonen is back and he asks, what about the minors and prospects? Is there anyone that catches your eye who is hot and who is likely to make contributions for the big club this season? Great question. And, you know, unfortunately, no one in the minors is really doing that great for the Penguins right now. Casper um, Bjorkquist, one of their top prospects, has been out, was out at the beginning of training camp rehabbing a summer shoulder injury, and he just had knee surgery, and he's out for, I think, four or five more weeks. So that's kind of disappointing. Um, Jordy Bellreve, a guy a lot of people were sweet on, he only has two goals and one assist in 16 games so far. I think... Um, the fire that he was in last summer really, really has negatively affected his career, unfortunately, even though he's trying to fight through it because he he suffered such severe burns to his hands that I know that even like gripping a stick has been problematic for him. Um, and then the other big prospect, Pierre-Olivier Joseph, the defenseman they got in the Phil Kessel trade, he's been out for a month now because he has mono. So he's only played six games in the AHL, which is disappointing as well so long way of saying that most of the good young players that are in the ahl haven't been doing that well um you ask who's gonna contribute in the nhl from there i mean sam lafferty is gonna be the guy that makes the most sense john marino didn't really come from the minors but he's a young player that you're gonna have to hang your hat on um maybe if you see more injuries you'll see adam johnson again but i think we all know he's not going to give a ton at the nhl level so unfortunately there's not too much stocked in the ahl now um the young kids in the quebec league from the first round pick samuel Pullen and third round pick nathan legere are doing great so that next wave is coming but unfortunately for for this current crop it's kind of kind of rough right now but it's a long season and a lot can change so we'll wait and see we got a question from just the letter C who asked, which UFAs and RFAs do you think the team are prioritizing signing? All right. So I pulled up their cap friendly and uh, we've talked about, we talked about this briefly 
in when uh, talking about the Justin Schultz scenario, um, looking at who they have uh, UFA wise, unrestricted free agency, who can test the open market without any consequence. Alex Galchenyuk, we, we touched on him last week in last week's episode. And uh, Jim and I both believe that Alex Galchenyuk probably won't be re-signed by the Penguins uh, unless he goes on an incredible tear in the second half of the season. Uh, Jared McCann is a restricted free agent, meaning the Penguins will own his rights unless he is offer sheeted by a, another team and they don't match the offer sheet. I would assume either they'll, either they'll ex- exercise his um, restricted free agent rights unless they want to give him a larger extension. Um, let's see who else. Dominic. Uh, yeah, oh yeah. Dominic Cahoon is an RFA. Uh, Sam Lafferty is an RFA. Dominic Simone, Joseph Landisi. I mean, all of these guys don't have much leverage. Jared McCann, I could see him possibly getting a little bit of a raise based on how much the, the coaching staff in the front office seem to like him. Um, Schultz, like we said, he's an unrestricted free agent. I don't know if there's an easy path for him to come back. Uh, Marcus Pedersen, we touched on this, if not last week, then a couple of weeks ago. Uh, there is a deal that has been completed for Marcus Pedersen that can't be announced until the new year. So look for that in a couple of months' time. And other than that, it looks like Yuso Ricola. I don't know if they're willing to bring him back. He hasn't really panned out, I'm sure, like the Penguins were hoping for. But getting into the goaltending, um, both Matt Murray and Tristan Jari are both restricted free agents after this year. And probably the biggest guy that they're probably going to go after to lock up is Matt Murray. He'll probably get quite a hefty pay raise. And considering what he's done early on in his career, you know, you, you, you can't really think otherwise. He's probably, I don't know what goalies would be making on the market now off the top of my head, but he's making 3.75. I would think he'd be making at least, Jim, what would you think? 6.5, 6, 6.57 maybe in, in Matt yeah. Murray's next contract? Yeah, that sounds right. Probably something that starts with a six at this rate for a four or five year deal. Uh, so Matt Murray is probably the biggest guy to look to resign. Tristan Jari is an RFA. He doesn't have much leverage. They might be able to bring him back on a cheaper deal as well. But that's what you're looking at in terms of who the team it looks like they're prioritizing to resign. Uh, JP Logan asks, uh, John Marino made Eric Goodbranson expendable. It looks like he might do the same to Schultz. I think they let Schultz walk this summer and look for a cheaper option via free agency or trade. Thanks for the question, JP. And yeah, I do think so, just because of kind of the financials and the market pressure that that Schultz will and the attention Schultz will command, as we talked about earlier in this podcast. Um, it always kind of worries me because good right-handed defensemen are tough to find. I know they just swooped in and found Marino out of nowhere, but I feel like he's kind of the diamond in the rough in every sense that it's, it's hard to find a guy who, first of all, can even play college hockey one year and then jump right into the NHL the next year, especially at defense. Like you, you don't see that happen very often, even though it is happening more these days. So maybe they'll try to find a couple more guys like that and hope one of them pans out. But yeah, I would think that with the way things are going now that, yeah, you'd probably have Chris Letang and John Marino as your top two right-handed defensemen next year. And now our final question comes to us from Rob Silver, who asks this is a great one, and we'll have some fun with this, I'm sure. Garrett, does Brad Marchand look like a weasel or a rat? 
my apologies to Brad Marchand and his family if he happens to be listening to the Pensbrook podcast. Uh, Brad, if you are listening, thank you. You might be the most famous person listening to this podcast. Uh, don't forget to share it with your friends and family. But back to the original question, a weasel or a rat? See, Now, I've pulled up a picture of Brad Marchand on uh, Google Images, and it's just his basic NHL headshot. I think I would have to lean more towards a weasel and like physically looking at his face, like physically a weasel was probably the closest representation you might get. Now I say weasel because his, the tact, some of the tactics that he pulls on the ice just remind me of being a, you know, that weaselly little player that no one really likes. Everyone gets annoyed with on the ice and that's kind of the the reputation that I think Marshan has developed throughout the years. So I'll go I'll go weasel. I don't know Jim. I don't, I don't know if you were looking at, in terms of rat or weasel. So I, I I'm looking I'm looking forward to seeing what what you think in regards to Marshan's appearance. Well, you got you got two beady little eyes that are set awfully close together, a big old honking beak sticking out there, a little shit eating grin. Oh, um. I'm, that's a rat if I've ever seen one, and the way he plays too, licking people, doing the biggest nonsense to the side of Sean Avery. Uh, he's very effective at what he does, as I'm sure most rats are, since they have great survival instincts. And I know he's friends with Sidney Crosby, and they train together in Halifax in the summers, but as far as I'm concerned, on the ice, big-time rat. I guess he would probably take that as a compliment, because that means he's doing his job right. He's actually a really good hockey player, too, when he just plays hockey, but <laughs> he definitely has the resemblance of a rat to me with those beady little eyes. That is quite the exclamation point to put on this episode of the Pensburg podcast. Uh, Jim, before we get out of here, is there anything else that you wanted to add? No, I think that's it. Um, yeah, like you said, we probably won't have a show next week since it's American Thanksgiving, so happy holidays to everybody out there. Hope you enjoy it with your friends and family and Stay safe and have a great time. All right, it's time for me to plug the socials. And uh, you can uh, get notified when new episodes of the Pensburg Podcast go live by following our Pensburg Podcast Twitter account, at Pensburg Pod. Uh, you can follow along, follow our main account, at Pensburg on Twitter, and you can type in Pensburg on Facebook, and our Facebook page will pop up. We're constantly churning out great content for all of our readers uh, our podcast is available through all major podcasting platforms, Spotify, Google Play, and uh, Apple Podcasts. Uh, Jim, they can find Jim Horkorpik himself on Twitter at hooks underscore Orpik. You can find me on Twitter at gbehanna, at G-B-E-H-A-N-N-A. Uh, quick thank you to everyone who sent in questions for the mailbag segment. Really appreciate getting the, the, the biggest the largest interaction in terms of the mailbag to this point in the podcast. So I'm really thankful for that. But uh, for Jim Ricks and her hooks Orpik himself, I have been Garrett Bahanna. Thank you so much for listening to another edition of the Pensburg podcast. And we will see you in two weeks time after American Thanksgiving. Like Jim said, everyone who celebrates American Thanksgiving, enjoy the holidays. And we will be back to talk more Penguins hockey in a little bit. Thanks for listening.